0: all right guys um y'all give it up for the ladies for winning tonight's game y'all gotta be good sports about this and then you gotta rally and come back next week strong and rally like you did tonight but then actually make a win out of it all right hey we are going to be any why am i not using my microphone that's weird okay hey so i am already loud but my voice is i can already feel it trying to go so go to ephesians chapter 4 ephesians chapter 4 we're going to be in verse 29 um which i know miss ria will like because when i told her we were doing this series she's like we have to do this verse and so here we are we're in this verse all right um we're in ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 if you have one of the church bibles that's green and you find it um let everybody know what page number it is if you have a blue bible let them know what page number it is in the blue bible what is it 733 in the green Bible. Anybody have any of the blue ones? No? That's okay. Alright, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. While you are turning to Ephesians chapter 4, how many of you guys got to go to Intensity, not this past summer, but the summer before? Do you guys remember that? Okay. When you... 2021. Yeah, in
1: 2021. Yep.
0: So in 2021, well, I mean every year at Intensity, but especially in 2021... We have this awesome relay that we do at the end of the week, um, and there was a relay station in 20, 21's relay, and I want to know if anybody remembers um, this relay station. It was a mustard and whipped cream minefield. Do you guys remember that? No. With mustard and whipped cream minefield. It was a stretch of land on the wreck field that had these styrofoam plates with mustard on some of them and whipped cream and and all kinds of fun stuff on other ones, like just condiments, really. Um, and the way that the station worked was you had to blindfold yourself and walk through the minefield, and you had friends standing next to it, but not next to you, who would yell to you which direction to go so that you wouldn't step on a mine of mustard or of yeah. whipped cream or whatever. And if you don't understand where that comes from, let me just tell you really quick, there's this warfare thing in wars called mines and minefields. Yep. Where if you step on one, you blow up. Well, specifically, if you step on one and then let go, usually, then you blow up. Um, and so um, we, could, we get this idea of a minefield from that, that thing in wars. Um, and you may know a little bit about this if you have a, a Windows computer and you've ever played uh, Minesweeper yep. on that computer. Minesweeper is a game where you're trying to clear out all the spaces that don't have mines under them. The second you hit one, it makes all the other ones blow up and so the game's over, right? And so you just have to guess the whole time and it can get really like, really stressful and an anxious type of thing because you don't know which one's gonna be the mine. And so if you step on it, that ends the whole thing, right? So every time you take a step in a minefield, you don't know if that step is gonna get your foot covered in mustard or whipped cream, or if it's a real minefield, blow you to pieces, right? And I start there because I think there are some people in the world who are kind of like minefields when it comes to the way they talk, right? Like, I think we all know people, or sometimes we maybe have been this person, who we don't know what to expect out of their mouth. Some days they might say nice things, and other days they might tear us down, and other days they might gossip about us, or all kinds of things— and so tonight, we're going to talk about that that experience, I guess you could say, with a person like that, or being that kind of person, um, as it pertains specifically to gossiping about each other and insulting each other. Okay, So that's why we're in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Really quick, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians as a letter to the church in Ephesus, and he spends a lot of time in this book. First of all, at the beginning part, talking about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in your mind and in your heart. And then in the second part of the book, it's all about like what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in your everyday life. What do you do? What do you say? What do you talk about? What, what kinds of things do you practically do? We get lots of really cool things from this part of Ephesians, but in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, he says something very interesting. And we're going to go back and look at some other verses in this chapter, so I'm not going to give you the full backstory of the chapter yet because we're going to get there. Um, but tonight, we're just going to start in verse 29. So here we go. Let's read it, and then we'll go together and, di- and dissect it together. Here we go. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be what? Good. Good and what? Helpful, Helpful so that your words will be and what? Encouragement. Encouragement to those who hear them. Let's read it all together one more time, both of us. I, by both of us, I mean me and all of you, okay? Um, here we go. Read it together. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It's Ephesians 4 29. All right, let's pray together and then we'll break it down. Here we go. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this verse. I pray that you help us be changed by it and grow closer to Jesus because of it um, and be the kind of people who can be trusted to say good and helpful things after tonight. I pray um, for everybody in this room that you'd speak to them, that you would. Um, teach them something from your word and i pray for myself god that you would use me that would be helpful to everybody in here we love you and pray these things in jesus name amen Amen. all right so Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 how does it feel just think for a second how does it feel when you don't know what's gonna come out of somebody's mouth it's kind of freaky sometimes right like sometimes you know you have to go talk to somebody but you don't know how they're gonna react when you talk to them could be anything right kind of scary when that's the way that people are and i think if we're all honest at some point in our lives we've all kind of been that person to some degree where on some days we'll be really good and helpful with the things that we say and other days we're foul and we're abusive and we we say things that um that hurt because of the way we talk to people right i know i've been that person anybody else feel like that's been true of you before yeah if you're not raising your hand you're probably just not being honest with yourself because we've all been there right so here's the deal. I honestly believe that this scary feeling of not knowing how people are going to treat us and how they're going to talk to us is such a common thing and such a scary thing that we don't like to deal with it. So we just kind of let people act like that and let ourselves act like that. Nobody really does anything about it. And you know why I think that? Because middle school is one of the worst places for bully cultures to exist. Like, how many of you guys, you know for a fact that your time in school as an elementary kid, there was not as much bullying as there is now when you're in middle school? Right? Well, if you're homeschooled, obviously you don't understand exactly the same way that people that go to a school of lots of kids might. But even at a co-op, it can happen a lot. And not just at co-op stuff, but at trips that you go on and things that you do uh, with other kids. The reality is in this season of life, it gets way easier to start gossiping about people and to start insulting people and saying things about people that may or may not be true. But we say them in ways that are meant to hurt them or at least embarrass them in front of other people. And it happens all the time. And I hear story after story after story of some of the things that kids have been told in schools in our towns around here. And it's sad what people have to go through because of the way we talk to each other. So this is a very important conversation for us to have. Because when Paul, when Paul says don't use foul or abusive language, there's a reason for that. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. Let me, let me flip it on its head a little bit though. How about this? How does it feel for you when you go to somebody who you can trust and you know that whatever they say, it's going to be good and it's going to help you? You guys know somebody like that who talks to you in a way that's careful and respectful and doesn't beat you down and treats you with honor because you're another person, right? We all know somebody like that to some degree, right? Maybe it's our grandma or a teacher or a coach or just a friend. Um, or one of our parents, or some, (laughs) it's rare, but sometimes it's a sibling, you know? Um, You never know. Depends on the house. Here's the deal. When we know that people are going to be this way, I kind of made a list of some of the feelings that I feel when I know I can trust someone to take care of me with the words that they say. To me, they feel safe. They kind of feel like home. Because right? like if home feels the way home is supposed to be, then it feels safe and you feel like you have a refuge and you feel like you can be protected in those moments. Right? Not everybody's home experience is exactly like that. But when home is what it's supposed to be, that's what it feels like. It kind of feels like family, maybe comfortable or comforting. Um, it also kind of feels empowering. You guys ever had anybody talk to you and like hype you up and encourage you and you walk away from that conversation like 10 feet tall? How many of you guys play sports? How many of you that play sports had a moment that you can think of? where you were about to give up and your coach hyped you up and got you prepared to do it and you stayed in the game, you actually did really good. Anybody have an moment like that? Or maybe not a coach, maybe a, a teammate, yeah? It's awesome, isn't it? It empowers you. It makes you feel 10 feet tall. It's amazing. Here's a really good example. So right now, I am in this really awesome, fun thing called a 21-day challenge. Me and 31 other guys. Um, That I'm friends with or know from different connections or whatever have decided. Grown men. We've as well mostly fully grown men. I mean, we've got some high school high schoolers in there, Um, but the youngest is a junior, I think. So like physically, he's probably a fully grown man. But anyway, um, we. uh, I'm digressing. What we're doing in this challenge is lots of goals, lots of crazy cool goals. Like um, we have to hit a certain number of steps every day so that we're active and walking all day. We have to hit a certain number of push-ups every day. We have to drink at least a half a gallon of water, but my goal is one gallon, one full gallon, which today I hit before noon, which was really fun. Um, but um, we have to do spiritual goals, like read a chapter of the Bible every day and read a book of a, or read a chapter of another book every day. Spend at least five minutes in prayer every day. Um, do one nice, selfless thing for our wife, or if we're not married, then our girlfriend. Um, Or if we're not dating, then somebody in our family, but the same person all 21 days, just because, so that we can serve them and go above and beyond. We have to um, spend, uh, or we have to listen to one podcast every day that's all about becoming a better Christian. Man, like all kinds of stuff like that, right? Um, And so going into day eight, I told all the guys, it's going to get harder because life gets harder. And so you have to choose. You have three options to make the challenge harder. You either increase your steps by 25% for every day, or you wake up at 5 a.m. every day or you have to fast for one of the days of this next week all the way through the whole day. But whatever you pick, you can pick one, two, or three of those things. Well, however many of them you pick, you have to do them all the way through day 21, right? And so I was leading it. So I was like, I gotta do all three of them, which is a really bad decision Um, because it hit me really hard. And I woke up yesterday morning way later than I was supposed to, right? And it wasn't, it was not an easy morning. And I had a, a, a rough, go to the start of the day it was Ollie's birthday which was really fun but like outside of it being Ollie's birthday it was a lot of responsibility and a lot of work for the day and a stressful day so all that to say I was very behind on all my goals by like 2 30 in the afternoon and then the guys in the group started sending all these messages into our group message about how awesome it was to do the challenge and how excited they were about it and they hyped me up And they made me feel really good about myself, even though I was behind on my goals because they reminded me who God told me that I was and what I could do because of what he had given me and who he was in me. And guess what? By 10 o'clock last night, I hit all my goals. I got all my steps. I got all my push-ups. I drank a full gallon of water, and I had to go to the bathroom a couple times in the night, but I got it. And I got all my stuff, and I did it. And what's crazy is the reason I was able to do it was because those guys spoke good and helpful words to me, right? They could have been like, oh, you're a scrub. You didn't get everything done. You, you couldn't figure it out because you're just not good at this, right? Because that's what we would do if we were in middle school and we just didn't think about what we said, right? Because that's what I did when I was in middle school and I didn't think about what I said. But they didn't. And they they were encouraging and good and helpful to me. And the cool thing is that didn't have to wait until then. Like we When we were all middle schoolers, we could have been that way and we could have encouraged each other. So sometimes speaking these good and helpful words is empowering. You know, I think sometimes... We need to understand. This is really important because if if we can't trust the people around us to be good and helpful, um, it makes it really easy for us to not trust God of, to be good and helpful in the things that He says. And the things that God has said are exactly what we believe. Everything's built on what God has said to us. So if we have trouble believing God is saying good and helpful things to us, then everything's going to be messed up. And it's a really important thing. To make sure that we understand he is trustworthy and i think the reason why it's easy to not believe god is good and helpful to us is because we've been deceived by a lie right earlier in ephesians chapter 4 in verses 17 18 and 19 look at what paul says right here he says this uh, we should have these for the screen i think or at least 17 um, yeah so here's what paul's saying before he started this section where he told us to not use foul or abusive language this is what he said first with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. You guys know who the Gentiles are? Gentiles in the Bible are people who didn't believe it. And the way that Paul's using this word right here, he means the people who didn't believe in God. People who don't follow Jesus. That's what he means. Okay? Do not live or live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. And in the next verse, somebody what he says. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. And then verse 19, he says, uh, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Can you guys just think for a second? Can you think of anybody around you who doesn't really follow Jesus? Who's living a life that this kind of sounds like? Yeah? Does that person have things that you want? Maybe clothes or a position on a team that you want to play on or friends or, I don't know, money, (laughs) whatever. Anybody know somebody who's living like that, but they have things that you kind of selfishly would want? Yeah, it's okay if you raise your hand because it's a normal thing for us to experience. And here's what Paul is saying. It may feel like that's the way we're supposed to live. But let me ask you, how do those people talk to each other? Do they treat each other with respect? With honor? Do they make you feel safe when you go talk to them? No. No. Because they're, what did he say? Look at verse 18. He said in verse 18 that they are, their minds are full of darkness because they wander far from the life God has for them. The life that God gives And the reason why they wander is because they close their minds and harden their hearts against him. They don't want what God has. And because they don't want what God has and because God is loving, he says, okay, you can have what you want, which is not me. But James chapter 1 says every good and perfect thing comes from above from the Father. So if you choose that you don't want God, what you get is a world where there's no love, there's no joy, there's no peace, patience, kindness, fun, happiness, anything like that. And that's why they live that way. Because God says, you can have what you want, which is not me. And so if that's what we're wanting, we've got to understand what we're asking for. I've heard it said before, why would a good God send people to hell, right? If he's good, why does he let them go to a place like hell? Because of this right here. They don't want God. So because he loves them and he lets them choose what they want, and he doesn't force them into anything, He says, you can have what you want. And here's the problem with this. When we say, no, I'm going to go my own way, and I'm not going to do what God wants. I'm going to do my own life. I'm going to live my own way. This is what God does to us. He lets us go. He lets us walk that way. Now, sometimes we have moments in our life where God really wants to get our attention. And so he does things that really force us to pay attention. That's why Paul, before he wrote this letter, who was on his way to go kill Christians, got knocked off his horse because God shined a big old light right in his face and blinded him. Paul was so self centered that it took God making him go blind for a little bit to get his attention. Sometimes that happens, but not very often. Most of the time, God lets us choose whatever we want, and we'll get what we ask for. We just don't always know exactly what we're asking for, and that's where we end up getting hurt. So here's the deal if we want to live the way people in our schools or the people around us are living, and be in those friend groups and be liked by those people, what that's going to come with is a life like this full of darkness. I promise if you knew every deep down and dark secret in those people's lives, you wouldn't want their life. It may seem cool, like they're the cool kids and the popular kids who, who you want to be a part of. Or if you're in that friend group and you know some of those people who what they're going through, it's not easy. But if that's what we want to be a part of and those are the kind of people we want to be, we got to understand what we're asking for. And it is not fun. It is not easy. Everybody's struggling in one way or another. The question is not if you will struggle or not. It's like, what kind of struggle will you go through? And I don't think we want that one. The good news is Jesus has answers for everybody, including the people in those groups. It's a lie, guys, when we want to believe this. And so this is the first blank on your handout. The first blank on your handout, um, it says this. Should be a green slide for it with a big glue never. Using our voices foully or abusively will never get us what we really want. If we think gossiping about people behind their backs and being like, oh my God, I got this really cool story. You need to hear about this because you'll never believe what she did and never believe what she said or what he did or what he said. It may feel like that's going to get us some brownie points with the people we're talking to and they're going to like us more, but it's not going to work. It does not work because the Bible says a gossip separates close Friends. Anybody lost a friend because of gossip? It happens. Look at the hands in the room. Look how common it is. The friendship is dead because people gossiped. Right? Gossip is when you talk to somebody about something that's not yours to talk about. When you're talking to a person who is not a part of the problem or the solution. The only people you should talk to about anything are people who are part of the problem or part of the solution. Outside of that, it's gossip. It's a really easy way to think about it. All right that's gossip how about insults this is one of my favorite verses in the bible it's proverbs 26 verses 18 through 19. look at this and the reason why it's my favorite is because so many people think that this is such a a simple thing that we don't need to think about but it's, this makes us see how important this is like a madman who throws firebrands arrows and death you know what firebrands are like a brand that you put on a on an animal You put it in the fire and it's really hot and you throw it. If you threw that on dead grass, what would happen? Wildfire, Wildfire, right? So like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor or other translations say the man who insults his neighbor and says, oh, I'm only joking. So how many people have been like, boy, you got some big ears. You look like Dumbo. (laughs) Oh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It's okay. I don't really mean it. I'm just joking. All right? How many of us have done something like that before? I have. Unfortunately, I do it to a lot of people, even in our staff. Like it's, it, just, it seems like it's a simple, easy thing that's not a big deal, right? But here's the deal. I, I, I tell this story every time we do a world series because it's so important. But I need to make sure we understand this. I have a really good friend named Winston. I love Winston to death. He is so much fun. He actually is a college track athlete right now. He's really cool. He does like decathlons and fun stuff like that. And uh, Winston is a guy who uh, suffers from a stutter. He has a very severe, strong stutter that makes him stop for a minute in the middle of his sentences before new words come out. And I was driving with Winston and our other friend Preston up the highway in Dallas one time, and uh, we drove by a Chick-fil-A. And all three of us knew a guy who was working at that Chick-fil-A at the time, um, who was from the area where they grew up and they knew him and stuff. And uh, as we were driving through, we saw that Chick-fil-A and I said, hey, I'm pretty sure this, this other guy that we all know, he, he works at Chick-fil-A right now. And Winston, so calmly, looking out the window as we drove down the road, just went, yeah, he was the first person who ever made a comment about my stutter. And at this point, we're like 24, 25 years old. And we're like, really, when did that happen? He said, I think we were in fifth grade, maybe fourth grade. And for his entire life, Winston felt bad about himself because he struggled with a stutter. All because this guy said one little thing about his stutter. That we are all convinced that guy probably forgot that he ever said that thing. Right? Do you guys remember a couple years ago, when, right before 2020, everything locked down. There were crazy wildfires in Australia. Oh, yeah. You remember that? And not long before that, there was a wildfire in California that destroyed like... 10,000 homes, right? It was called the Paradise Fire. Do you know how the Paradise Fire started? In California, they don't always cut back the growth as much because they allow the plants to grow and and do their own thing. And so because of that, there was a lot of dry plants everywhere. And a power line, like an electricity line, snapped. And when it snapped, it sparked. And that one spark lit a fire that killed a bunch of people and burned down 10,000 homes or more i don't even remember what the number was but it was wild we might think that the words that we say are small and little and not that powerful but we have no idea how the people who are hearing us take them and we have to understand that words are not pointless they're not useless they're not casual every word you say is a tool that has power right because here's what's interesting Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. Now, the death part, this is like when they translated the New Living Translation, they added this little part in here for us to fully understand exactly what the Hebrew was communicating, right? Because if you throw fiery things around to grassy areas, what's going to happen? People are going to die, right? So they're not adding to the scripture. They're just explaining, right, in English that something that was already there in Hebrew. But firebrands? If you're going to brand a cow, is there a way to use a firebrand correctly that's not harmful? Yeah, what about an arrow? Not to people, maybe to animals or to targets, right? Here's the point. When we use our words, which are supposed to be good and helpful things, tools to do good and helpful things, carelessly and just throw them around everywhere and then say, oh, I'm sorry, I was just joking. It doesn't work. It doesn't fix it. How many of you guys have been insulted by somebody who just went, oh, I'm just joking, I was just joking? Did the just joking part make you feel any better? So why do we think it's okay for us to talk like that? When we already know how it feels. Right? Paul says, do not say anything foul or abusive, but be good and helpful so that you will encourage people who hear you. We're going to finish with this little story right quick. Okay? How many of you guys know what Ikea is? Like the furniture store Ikea? Did you know Ikea does science experiments sometimes? it's kind of funny because i did not expect ikea to be the ones that did this experiment so there was a moment you can google this if you want like while i'm talking if you want to pull your phone on google it it's crazy it's called the ikea plant experiment okay they put two plants in glass boxes in a middle school and i love that it was a middle school in like asia or somewhere right like indonesia or some country in like eastern asia and uh what they did was they put these two plants in these in these boxes and then they gave them both The same amount of water, the same amount of light, the same amount of everything. The only difference was one plant, the kids could only say encouraging things to. The other plant, they had to insult it and be mean to it and degrade it and say awful things to it. And if you're pulling it up and you see the picture, like the, look at it, Kai's got it right there. One plant is the one that they were encouraging. It's it's bright and it's pretty and it's growing healthily, but the one they were insulting is droopy and yellow and starting to die. And here's what they learned. It is a law of nature. It just exists in nature that when we encourage each other and we say good and helpful things to each other, life comes from it. And when we degrade each other and when we insult each other and when we gossip about each other and we use our words to hurt each other or just selfishly, even if we're not trying to hurt people, or as this verse says, carelessly, it hurts people. And evidently it hurts plants too. Right? So let this be proof to us That it is so important for us to be very thoughtful and intentional about the things we say. So how do we get there? Because I understand sometimes it is very hard to say nice things to people, right? Because they don't always deserve it. So what do we do? Paul goes on after verse 29 in Ephesians 4 into verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5 and tells us what we do. So here's what we do. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. We imitate God. He says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god so here's what we do this last blank on your thing your big idea right we use our voices for good and helpful words but our last blank is this what we do is we imitate god by giving ourselves up the way that we get to using foul and abusive language is by being selfish. This is what I want. This is what I need. I'm going to use these words because that's what I do. I'm I don't even need to think about why I'm using my words because if I had to think about why I was using my words, then that would that would be because God told me to do it, not because it's what I'm what I want to do in my life. We do our own thing. We're careless. That's selfishness, right? And our words come out like that as foul and abusive things: gossip, insults. All kinds of things, right? I really want to insult this person because their outfit looks so weird. It would be so funny if I just made a comment about it, right? Sometimes we don't even think that much. We just say it because it just comes out because we're so used to it, right? What Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying about Jesus is we have to imitate God. And the way we imitate God is by giving ourselves up, just like Jesus gave himself up. When we do that it makes the words we say automatically become good and helpful because we look like jesus because we're doing the things jesus did and just like it's easy to insult somebody now it becomes really easy to be good and encouraging and helpful to people right this this idea here is that jesus when he came he he lived a life that was not about himself it was all about other people all about serving people there was no reason jesus had to come to earth other than That's how we were going to be saved. If he didn't do it that way, it wasn't happening, which means it was all about serving us. And if you look at the prophecies about Jesus before he came, like Isaiah 53, it's all about how Jesus would be a servant and he would serve people. And even Jesus himself said that he didn't come to be served by people, but to serve other people. So here's how this works. If every single one of us said, you're more important than I am, then who would get left out? Nobody Nobody would. Right? We would all be treated with honor and respect, and our words would build us up and be encouraging to us. But here's how this works. Every single person has to choose that others are more important than me. Otherwise, it doesn't work. right? If we're all selfish and focused on ourselves, then nobody gets help, and nobody gets encouragement, and we're all backbiting and Why gossiping and insulting each other, and it's not good. And that's how the world has gotten where it is now, because everybody lives like that. But if we say others are more important than me and we all choose that, then we end up with what happens in Acts chapter 2, which we talked about last week. Remember how we talked about lying and we said that in Acts chapter 2 there was really awesome things happening in the church. And Ananias and Sapphira saw that and decided they would do their own version, a selfish version. And then what happened? They They died. Literally. Right? We must imitate God by giving ourselves up. So here's what we do. If you don't already have a relationship with Jesus, you this is all good and well, but none of it matters unless you acknowledge that Jesus gave himself up for you and you have a relationship with him. So if you don't have a relationship with him yet, then you need to come talk to me or Mr. Charlie or Mr. Cole or Mr. Rita before you leave and let's talk about a relationship with Jesus. You got to admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus rose from the dead and confess that he's the boss of your life, which means agree that he's the boss of your life. And that starts with understanding that everything he did was to serve you. All right? And if you do have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to pick one person this week. And you guys are going to join me and these guys in my challenge. And I'm going to give you a challenge. I want you to pick this one person. If you're living um, with mom and dad in the house, pick mom or dad, one of the two. If it's a sibling that you've got, you can pick a sibling or a teacher at school. And Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find one thing you can do for them every day between now and next Wednesday. It needs to be somebody you see every day, so you can do it every day and not forget about it. Okay? And do one thing for them just because. Do not expect them to tell you thank you. Do not expect them to give you anything for it. Just do it. And see if by the time these next seven days are up, the way you think about that person doesn't change and grow better because it will it's really hard to be mad and angry at people that you're serving and praying for. Okay. Like I said, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, come talk with one of us. And if you do, who are you going to serve? What are you going to do? Find that person and do something for them just because like for me, I'm doing it for my wife right now because God called me as a husband to serve my wife. Right. And so today I had a breakfast meeting on the square at Whistle Hill. And after that, I went to Ironworks and got her a coffee. And I did not have to do that. And I went and took it to her. And that's how I did my service goal for my wife that day. All right? What ends up happening is the more you do that, the more you start doing it even more. And it's really fun. It is really cool. Because when I walked in, I was like, here's your coffee. She's like, oh, babe. She was so excited for it. Right? Because she had a real morning with Ollie, too. So who's your person? Who are you going to serve? Come talk to us. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, let's pray and we'll finish up. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the relationship with him that you offer us. I pray that for those in this room who don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would give them the confidence to come talk to an adult. For those that do, that you would give them the person they need to serve in their mind and then help them to have the confidence and the selflessness to do that this week um, and see if the way they talk to that person doesn't get better and change. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.